ready. Welcome to episode 27 of the Go Get Em Agility podcast. My name is Margaret Hughes. I'm your host with my daughter, Emma Hughes. Hi, everybody. Hi, Emma. So we do have some sad um, news to report that on last Wednesday, May 18th, um, we had to put down uh, Emma's very first agility dog, Millie, watermark millionaire. So Emma, I am, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Oh, thank you. Uh, she's a very good little dog. She uh, taught me a lot of things. Yeah, she sure did. And actually she taught you, or rather she taught me, you and her together, taught me to think outside the box when it comes to agility training. When you first got Millie and we first started agility, uh, all the equipment was in our back pasture. I could do dishes and watch you through the window train Millie. And there were times when I would watch you and I'd be like, what is she doing? Why? What is she? T-? I mean, you were all of what? Six years old, seven <laughs> years old, me, eight years old. Me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. You were four years old when we acquired Millie, right? When, yeah, so when five, we six to train. And then five, six, seven. Yeah, you were training, I think, in, oh, let's see. I think in 2010. So you would have been seven. I think in 2010 was when you had your first trial with her. Right? So you trained up to then. Um, and, and when you were training, I remember at times just going, oh, my gosh, that is not how you do that. <laughs> but you are safe right? You're doing things safely. And so I let you just do what you were doing with Millie and didn't worry about how you were doing it as long as she was safe. That, that was my biggest thing is, is, is Millie safe? And so you did the triple backwards. I remember that was a big one. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? You can't do the triple backwards, the triple jump. And you, so you did the triple jump backwards you used to cross the bars. So instead of them being straight across, you'd make an X, like a like a jump, a, a horse oxer. Oh, right. Okay. And so you'd have them crossed. And no, this is how the horses do it, mom. This is how you're supposed to do I it. I wanted a horse so bad. Oh. And what that did is it made it higher on the edges and lower in the center, right? And so Millie was jumping higher than you know, she would normally jump in, although we were, you were jumping her 12 inches when we first, um, when you first started competing with her. So maybe that's, you were doing 12 inches on the sides. Uh, anyway, and then the last thing that you used to do in this one, I kind of went back and forth on whether or not to stop you, but Millie was performing it so incredibly well that I didn't bother to stop you. And that was, you used to send her to the dog walk while you stood in the middle of the dog walk. Do you remember that? I remember that. And I remember, I think I did it once while you were out there. And I remember you being like, oh, and it's weird how you grow up because I would never do that with Dot now. 
Right. I vividly remember. And the issue with Millie, though, that could have been an issue is that Millie had amazing, not to brag, but she had incredible running contacts. I mean, she was, they were natural, 100% natural. We never really trained them. But this is going, this was, this was talking about. So my point being, though, is that she would line herself up for the dog walk at full speed and she would continue full speed down the dog walk. And so there's never any stopping at the end. She never slowed herself down. She would just like, like a car almost taking a corner and then she just go up and over and down and it was oh my god you know looking back I'm like who taught this dog these things because I sure didn't well the up contact is what I want to talk about Um, and so she would send and you're right she would turn the corner and but she would line herself up far enough back on the dog walk that she was coming up straight balanced yes that's the main concern that i have with dogs coming up the dog walk on an angle is that their center of gravity is not fully centered yet when they hit on an angle and so they're trying to stay on 12 inches at full speed while on a bend right so imagine you're on a racetrack and you're going up the side of the wall to to what do they call that i call it banking on the corner yeah you're banking on a corner on an oval racetrack either with a bike or with a car and dogs are similar and i'm sure that human beings we bend as well or or tilt when we're running on a corner right i'm sure we do yeah i just don't run fast enough to know (laughs) (laughs) that is true Uh, i i feel myself doing it when i drive Right. I yeah. Lean, right. I lean yeah. into the corner. In fact, that's why Formula One drivers have thick necks because when they turn, they have to keep their head straight, and so they do like head yeah. exercise. We should do that in agility. Well, going back to Millie. Going back to Millie. So Poor she Millie. would turn the corner to go up the dog walk, and it was as if she had already gone far enough out, balanced her body to hit the up ramp at full speed, and I. That was one of my that that is one of my main concerns. And it was one of my main concerns back when she was when she was young. But that going from the side, being sent from the middle of the dog walk, I think it taught her stronger dog walk contacts. I think I think it taught her how to balance herself on the dog walk. Now, granted, she was all of what 12 pounds. 13 inches so she wasn't and I wasn't running fast enough to like garner a you know a world record here you know we're not going too fast you weren't encouraging her to speed up no right so she would catch you by the by the bottom of the dog walk again because you were so like you're like I don't know three feet long and so maybe that combination is why it works so nicely is that she had great sense of balance she had great body preservation she was a good girl. Right. She was never a reckless dog at no. all. So that definitely contributed to it. Um. So anyway, but my point of this is the podcast that I would like to do today is called uh, what I call around the clock training. And that the way that you send her up the dog walk would be considered around the clock training, sending her mm-hmm. from like, let's say that the dog walk is on a 12 to 6 timeline you were sending her up the number six 
we're on a clock, right? We're on a clock. Yes, we'll explain this in a in a in like two well, minutes. Let me let me <laughs> um, no, let's explain it now. Oh, because I wanted to say uh, my last thing I wanted to say for go get em agility listeners. If you ever look at our logo, that's Millie on our logo. Um, and I was, I was very proud of that. I was like, yeah, Millie's, Millie's that's, a business woman now. <laughs> that's, car- that's cartoon Millie. Yeah, cartoon Millie. It's not Dot, despite what some people might think. It is Watermark's millionaire. That's um, true. So yeah, on to our podcast. Any 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 other thing you want to say about Mel Mel? I don't think so. I we want to she... give her nicknames. Oh well, she had a lot of Millie had a lot of nicknames, I guess. Uh, oh, here's uh, one. Here's one fact you may all not know about Millie, is that we use Millie's name when we make reservations for dinner. Oh yeah, all the time. Because nobody can pronounce. Nobody can spell Margaret. Nobody can pronounce when we say John. They always, what do they call your dad? They're always uh, like Joe. Joe, yeah. They always yeah. call him Joe. And then Emma's too common. Yeah. Right? So we always like use Emma Millie. And like three people stand up. Yeah. When we when we make reservations, we make it Millie for three. Yeah. 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 And occasionally they do spell it M-I-L-L-Y, which I think is fun. That's true. Because yeah, that is we how we like spell Millie. Yeah. And we Millie is with a Y and Dottie is I-E. Yeah. I should have done Dottie D-O-T-T-Y. But I, like I think that. that was just, I think people would have gotten really annoyed at that. They're like, really? You did it with Millie. Now you're doing it with Dot. Like, this is too much. They <laughs> can't handle it. Yeah. Let's talk about around the clock and what we mean by that. I have a question about around the clock. Is this something that you have brought up? Like, is this something that you have created? Or is this something that, like, is it like a Susan Garrett thing? Or Because I've only ever heard around the clock from you. And I've never, I mean, I've not really gone to many other trainers, but I've never heard it from anybody else other than you. Well, I I hesitate to say that I came up with it, but I can't think of where I pulled it from. Oh, so you came up with it. Well, I don't it. know if I came up with it, but I, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure other trainers have mentioned it to me. Yeah. Probably. And I'm sure that, I mean, we do it in obedience. We would do, um, you know, where you'd go all the way around your dog in a stay. We wouldn't call it around the clock, but no. so in general, I've done a lot with doing things from all angles, all directions. Well, you've done it. At, I remember doing it with Millie when she was really young. So that's at least 15 years. Yeah. So I don't know if it's something I came up with or not, but I don't want to take credit for it because I definitely pull. I mean, where did I learn all this stuff from somebody else? Right. I mean, Gene Donaldson was a massive influence in my um, in my dog training career. Um, who is massive influence? Nancy Guy is a massive Nancy influence for good, me yeah. in agility. Um, and so. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, Lisa Ross probably did it with me sometime. Mm-hmm. Um who are Suzanne was one of my very, very first trainers. I can't remember her last name now, but Suzanne with um Jeb Borzois. Yeah, she was pretty good too. Mm-hmm. Jeb Borzois. And then Lori, I went to Lori. Um, oh, she was she had papillons down in California. Anyway, so and then I've done a ton of seminars. I've done seminars, did all the uh, power pause camps, early days of power pause camps, um, with Nancy Guys and Jim Basic. Um so, yeah, I'm sure I heard it from somebody somewhere along the way. All right. I, so what is oh. it? Well, I was just going to venture to say that I think that 
the introduction of the um the clock is like the was the beginnings of technical agility you know that was like the first time when people started thinking oh well let's make this technical training wise yeah because yeah because i remember that we did the clock way before anybody had ever touched a backside in akc so i'm not talking about the international people because the international people have been doing their own thing for a very long time but like we did around the clock when i was like gosh probably six right so that was 2009 nobody was doing like backsides or like running contact training or you know all these technical agility things that we talk about now like all the things that you've done with eli like you know paw awareness where your back feet um you know can you go around these jumps in a circle can you you know do you know what a wing is nobody was doing that but people were doing the clock or we were doing the clock i don't i don't want to say nobody was doing it because yeah, like it wasn't me go back on you go back on some old 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 videos mm. and no there's hints of it so yeah, well Go get a majority listeners. If you're like, Emma, you're wrong. Let me know. I just Email think, me. I just think you're young. I just Maybe. don't think, I think that you absorbed all this stuff that you did, but you don't know where it came from. Oh, absolutely. And I know that we've been watching videos on YouTube because you used to make videos with your stuffed animals. Gosh. Oh, nobody's allowed <laughs> to look that up. <laughs> we, we should find those old videos. So I know That's that you I were on here. YouTube because I would allow you to watch Webkin's videos. Okay. Would, all right. Okay. Okay. Beep, 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 beep. And I would allow you to watch dog agility videos. So I know that there were videos out there and I'm sure you just don't remember watching them. You yeah, don't remember okay. absorbing them. Anyway, yep. I will tell you what the clock is now. Okay. Um, Get I closer think... to your microphone, Em. You're really far away. Can you hear me now? Kind of. <laughs> Emma's Emma's packing up, and so everything has been put away in her room. She's leaving tomorrow. She's supposed to leave today, and instead of leaving today, she got flight canceled, and she's <laughs> leaving tomorrow. So we're doing a podcast, but her microphone's on her computer and it's not very good. Yeah, well, I'm not using headphones because I accidentally broke them. Uh, I broke the $2 headphones. That you gotta go closer than shoes. that. Um. Okay, I maybe I, I should tell them what the clock is. Well, I don't want to know what the clock is. Okay, you okay. tell them what the clock is. So I'm Speak going very to loud. The, okay, I'm going to use the weave poles as an example just because that is, uh, in my head, the most clear example of the clock and so if you have weave poles let's just say six poles in a line your dog knows them really well or they know them well enough you know but you want to work on entrances so the clock is you have your weave pole set up no other obstacles and you send your dog straight on through the weave poles and they what go number, straight out. what number are they on from that straight they're on 12 12 they're on straight okay and they're and driving then, towards yes but but nobody but i'm trying to explain like the angles first because then you'll go to one o'clock, which means... No, 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 you... no. Show them where six and 12 are. 12 and six. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, 12 I'm... o'clock is entry. Six o'clock is exit. Yes. Okay. So they're yes. driving from 12 to six. Yes. Okay. Now talk about the angles, yes. the numbers. <laughs> and then um, the theory is, is that you pick a side that you want your dog to enter on. So you either do the left side of the weave pulls or the right side of the weave pulls. And you go. Well, you're on the down. left or right. They always yes. enter first pole, left shoulder. Sorry, you're sending them from the left or the right. Okay. Yes. And you um, and you go down the number line. And so if you have a clock in front of you, it's probably a little bit easier to visualize this. 
but you send your dog from one o'clock, see if they make it, reward them if they do. You send your dog from two o'clock, three o'clock, which would be a 90 degree angle. Correct. And you would go, uh, gosh, where am I at? Four, Four o'clock, five o'clock. Okay. And then six and then o'clock. Once, but once you hit six o'clock, you don't, well, you could send them from six o'clock. That'd be quite hard. So they're going all the way to the up other to side. And driving back down to six. Yes. Okay. Um, maybe we could put like a thumbnail or something that shows the clock visually on this podcast. Are you allowed to put attachments on your little podcast links? Uh, well, I can put it in the show notes. Okay, that might work. Because I remember that when you taught it to me, we did it in person. And that made so much sense to me. I was like, yeah, this is great. Okay. But I think explaining it on a podcast is No, you're hard. doing good. You're doing good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, you've started at 12. And you're working your way. So the dog is going to what is called the hard side, which is you have a soft side and you have a hard side. So you're driving from the hard side. So, and that's hard angle, soft angle. So I have to think Why about it you... now. When they wrap around the pole, when you're sending the dog yes. on your left hand, wait. No, no. no it's from... Sending the dog on your right hand side. No, stay on one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock. Dogs are driving from 12. If you're on the hard angled side, you are between 12 and 5 or 5.30. And then the soft sided entrance is from uh, what, 11, 12 to, uh, to the other direction to 5.30. Right. And that's the side where they don't have to wrap around a pole. They just they wrap around go, the second pole, essentially. Well, they go between the two poles to enter if you're there, if they have a harsh angle. Correct. Okay. So the point is that when you're training to train the entire clock, right? And that way you are training every angle on every obstacle possible. So we're on the weed pole still, but let's take this over to the jump. Mm. Okay. So we start you and you can start the 12 o'clock anywhere. You can start it in a perpendicular direction towards the jump so dog is 90 degrees to the direction of the bar right this is harder to explain than i thought i know me too okay so i was struggling let's put let's put the the jump in front of us and we are all toes are facing facing right towards the bar the center bar of the jump that's 12 o'clock okay Dog can be on our right side or our left side. And let's go clockwise around the clock. Okay, so we start at 12, then we move to one, then we move to two, three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock. So now where we started, if that is the front side of the jump, now we're on the back side of the jump, right? And you still have to set. So my rules, I have, I have different rules and I when I play this game I set the rule in my head and then Eli and I have to stick to that rule so if dog starts on my right and is jumping around one wing so he started on my right I'm going to send him around the left wing so he's going to wrap around the left wing come back up on my right side so I'll spin and pick him up on my right side and then I move to one o'clock he still has to jump left wing come back on my right then I'm at two o'clock he still has to jump towards me, right? So he's doing, we're doing pole turns essentially the entire way around. Get to three o'clock. Now, once we get to three o'clock, 
he's jumping the jumps sideways, but he's still wrapping and coming back to my right side. And now I'm at four o'clock. He's technically doing a backside because he has to go to the backside and come back up on my right side. Now he's at five o'clock. He's doing a backside again. Then we get to six o'clock. He's doing a backside again. He's still going around the same wing that I started him on back at 12 o'clock. And this is where it gets difficult. At seven o'clock, he's doing, he's going across the face of the jump, not jumping it, going to the backside and coming back to me on a slice because now I'm at eight o'clock. And so now he has to go all the way around the jump, go to the backside and jump it in a slice back to nine o'clock. And nine o'clock, I have to send him all the way around. He's jumping on a slice back to me. And then as I get to 10 o'clock, now he's back on the front side of the jump again. But he's jumping it now in a slice as opposed to um, a perpendicular 90 degree angle. And we come back to 12. Does that make sense? That makes sense to me. Okay, now watch this. Pay attention to this. Now I put him back on my right side. So we're now back at 12 o'clock. He's back on, he's still on my right side, but instead of taking the left wing, he has to take the right wing. So now we're doing rear crosses, right? We're doing rear crosses now moving to one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock. And that's a rear cross slice at three o'clock. He has to take the jump on the same side of the jump and the same wing every time. So when I get to four o'clock, now I'm doing an inside wrap. So I'm going to send him along the backside of the jump. He has to wrap it away from me to jump it towards me. Does that make sense? So he's doing I rear crosses on the backside. Provide, I think we should provide a <laughs> I think we need to. I'll include, I'll include a video into the show notes of, of me doing this yeah. with Eli. Because I played around with this. I did a whole bunch of, of different angles. And uh, he had to t leave me on my right side. He had to leave me on my left side. But essentially, I walked the entire around, the entire jump with him, coming up on my same side every time, and then jumping the jump in the same direction every time, taking a wrap around the same wing every single time. And it makes for some really difficult angles, which is why I love it, which is why it's a great exercise because they literally are doing every angle out there that you'll ever see in agility. Well, maybe in my brain, in my yeah. world. I have two points to make as well. It's kind of fun as well to watch them start to pattern a little bit. So when the angles are somewhat similar, they might start to pattern if you've been doing it for a while. And that's very important, I think, in agility um, is for dogs to learn certain scenarios and they know what to do with them, especially if you have a clear verbal that you're trying to work on. Um, clockwork is really good for verbal work if yes. you're trying to teach them like a backside but it's always going to be a backside that you're teaching them. Um, Clockwork's great for that if you're trying to prove verbals. But my second point, um, and it kind of goes back to the little Millie uh, ode that we gave in the beginning. We talked about her going up the dog walk. And I think that contact equipment, so dog walk, teeter, A-frame, are the three obstacles that I would not do a clock on. Yes. Um, 
just because it's it's hot one it's hard two it's dangerous and three it's if your dog doesn't have amazing contacts that they hit every time they're gonna get confused on what they're wrong about um and Correct. it's the whole thing and millie was very lucky that we only did it on the dog walk and i was sick so i didn't know but i wouldn't do it i'm really now. glad i'm really glad you brought that back up because i would not do the clock system on context number one and we should have put this as a disclaimer at the beginning and maybe i will yeah. um, number one when they're coming around that tight on an a-frame that is a difficult climb for them to do and you lose a ton of confidence for a dog that's not really pushy and driven for the dog walk it's way too dangerous that 12 inch plank that if they're coming up at speed I think Millie was a rare exception. Um, I would do it on, I would do, let me, let me give you a little, I would do it on very, very low dog walk equipment. Very low. In yeah, fact, I would only do it like running contacts or something. In fact, I would do it more as a, as a movement puzzle where mm -hmm. it's just the dog walk plank that yeah. they're doing this on. So yeah. there I would do it on a dog walk plank, you know, elevated maybe 12 inches off the ground but not on a dog walk that is over a foot off the ground. And you can also help them with a, like a cone or a jump stanchion. Cause when we taught dot her running contacts, we had a stanch jump stanchion that was very, very close to the plank. Um, but it just teaches them to kind of swing their butt out to line themselves up with it. That's right. Uh, Millie did that naturally. And Millie was very lucky, but obviously dot didn't cause dots like, I don't know what that is. I will um, be doing it with a very, very, very low teeter once, Eli, yeah. but I'll I be think... putting that jump stanchion probably about a foot to a foot and a half beyond yeah. the teeter. He yeah. has to go around the jump stanchion first to come up onto the teeter, but yeah, the so teeter will be close, but low, extremely yeah. low. It'll be maybe hitting a foot off the ground. Well, and that's just it with like the teeter as well as you know that they're going to stop at the end. They have to. They have to stop. And so the dogs can't get a ton of speed up that teeter. So when they come around that really sharp bend, they don't have a lot of speed anyway. And then by the time they get to the end of the teeter, they're still, you know, not running as fast as they could. Whereas on dog walks, especially today and a little bit on A-frames, we are teaching our dogs, or I am, I'm teaching my dogs to try to go as fast as they physically can right. on that dog walk without right. being dangerous. And right. so if you're teaching your dog that to be, you know, to speed up as soon as they hit that plank, well, if you're not lining them up correctly, they're just going to slide right off. Um, and yeah. the A-frame is quite steep as well. So. Yeah. So the A-frame, my gosh, it would have to be such a low A-frame. Right. I yeah. And and when I when I teach this for the teeter, first off, he's he will already be to the point where he's comfortable with the banging of it. So he'll already be comfortable with the noise. He'll be comfortable. He'll understand that he needs to stop. It'll be a very short and um, middle ground to mimic the movement puzzle. So I'll put a link in for the movement puzzles as well. And, and once I teach it, then I would back off of it. Whereas weed pulls and jumps, I'll do that throughout his life, right? But contacts, I'll do it mainly to teach balance and entries, but then I'll back off of it once the speed is gained, then I'll, I'll probably take it out uh, completely, definitely for the A-frame and the dog walk.
I think everything else, though, you can do a walk on, especially tunnels. Tunnels oh. is a fun one to do it. Yeah, talk about um, tunnels, yeah. right? Blind tunnel entries. Oh, my gosh, it's going to be so much fun. So starting at the entrance of the tunnel and work your way to 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. And when they get to 6 o'clock, they have to go all the way back up to... And this would be on a straight tunnel I would start with. Yeah, you could do it on a curved one if you wanted to, I think. Eventually, yeah, but I would start yeah. on a straight. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, working a macaroni-shaped tunnel from the backside. <laughs> like, that's difficult for the dogs. They're like, what? Yeah. But, that you is, know, so starting yeah. straight and so, and eventually curling it up so that they have to take the macaroni tunnel from the backside would be very, very good. Very good for them to learn. Yeah. I'm trying to think what else you could do it on. I mean, you could do it on any obstacle, really. Um, Table's the only one. Well, table would be yeah. really difficult, mainly because the table sides change mm -hmm. if they're on the backside. So if they run over the table, 12 just switched to six and six just flipped to 12. Right. right? So you would yeah. never send a dog back around the backside of a table to get back on. Right. They're only right. ever supposed to hit it straight on. So I don't know if I'd do it on the table. That would be the only one I probably wouldn't do it on. But I'll have to think about that. Yeah. I've never done it so far. I've never done it. I've never done, I've done it on tunnels. the table's quite self-explanatory. Um, I mean, you do. Tire jump. I've done it on it. tire jumps. And I've done you it, do on, it on tire jumps. Yeah. I've done it on tire jumps. But more have you done like backsides on tire jumps? Absolutely. It? Yeah, you know, it's only interesting. I remember watching one of my teammates do a tire, like a like it was like an inside slice on a tire jump in Europe during practice. And I remember thinking, why would you do that? But you can, can't you? I mean, it's like a jump, really. I mean, the tire's big enough. If you have a smaller dog, the tire's definitely big enough to uh, be okay space wise. Maybe if you have like a bolster on or something that would be a little bit yeah harder, but... I mean, i've always yeah I, but we I have small dogs it. i i haven't done the tire much but i have taught it um mostly on a two target training right mm -hmm. so moving around in the two targets and mostly i have not i've never done rear crosses on the back side of a, a tire that i have mm -hmm. not done I'll have to think about that. I'll have to experiment with that. And for most dogs on the tire, I would venture to say that the tire is going to be more difficult for them to do it. Well, on. The only issue is you get like the bigger border collies, um, especially, you know, those new like Galligan tires that everybody's got these days. They're really cool the looking. Balloon tire. If you have a, yeah. If you have a border collie that like kicks their legs up. and you're doing like a wrap on a tire that might get a little hairy in the middle. Um, so I would, though, I would experiment with it and see if there's a way that I could help my dog understand it without creating a pattern, mm. right? I wouldn't I don't know how much. I if they're messing up on the tire or messing up on their jump, their jumping effort on the tire, then I would absolutely modify my training to either make it easier for them, make more clarity for them, work their jumping effort. Uh or just work easier entrances and and avoid for a so, dog that's having difficulty with the it. Tire is, it all together. The tire is a lot like the triple. You know, when I used to do the triple backwards, it's like, well, why would you ever do that? 
And it's kind of the same in a tire in competition. You're never ever going to see a tire that has a weird angle on it. I know, um, but, but I don't think I would ever do a tire because I think that it's I think it's just too enclosed of a space for them to move. So if you have a big dog and they get their feet caught in it, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you don't want that for sure. But I'd experiment with it a little bit. I'd see yeah. at what point does it start to look ugly and pull back from there. Right. Yeah. Because there will come a time when your dog will come off the line of a straight entrance to a tire and you'll be pushing them back onto the line and they'll be hitting yeah. it on an angle. Yeah. Or if they're like taking it as an off course or something. Correct. Yeah. And you're like, oh, you don't know how to take that. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I do see benefit in it, but I wouldn't drill it. Right. Like I wouldn't yeah. like make it my daily jumping exercises. <laughs> But I'd introduce it so that there's some clarity for them. Yeah. I don't know what to think. Actually. Same with the broad jump. Oh, I wouldn't do it on a broad jump seen, ever. How many times have you seen a broad jump taken poorly? Because well, Yeah, of but I mean, I would never do like a backside on a broad jump. That's just. Why not? Because they don't have enough momentum to jump over it. Okay, so take take a, a few. Take, take the bar down. a dog that's 12 the, inches. Make it go from three planks to two planks if you've got a dog that's jumping 12 inches they've got to hit 24 inches okay spread. so make it make it a, a 15 well, i don't think i'd ever do it on a broad jump i don't yeah, think i would i have jumped the broad jump backwards in fact we you know, have it's fine i'm talking about you're on the clock at like i don't know seven o'clock and you send them around the stanchions of the broad jump and they have to take it technically as a backside Technically as a backside, yes. And if you needed to help oh. them, if you needed to help them, add a wing. We're, we're talking about the broad jump. Yes. And you, so we got interrupted. So here we are back yeah. on the broad jump. Okay. You would never do the clock system on the broad jump. I mean, I would do like simple um, angles. So like if your broad jump is facing towards six o'clock. Right. And you're starting from 12. I'd be willing to do like one, two, or, you know, like 11 and 10. But I wouldn't do like a five o'clock and send them around the stanchions of the broad jump and over the broad jump just because I feel like the dogs don't have mo enough momentum. Did you know uh, that that's exactly so what it is, right? Because the broad jump is it's essentially just to a jump, but it's flat, right? So if your dog jumps 12 inches, the broad jump is going to be 24 inches. And that's generally what dogs will jump anyway. Um, it's not like it's a big jump or anything. It is basically what they will jump over a bar. Right. But my thing with the bar is like with Dottie, especially when I do wraps, which is what she would be doing on this broad jump at five o'clock, she lands incredibly close to the jump. She lands so close to the jump that she hits the cones when she lands because she's so close to it okay and i just don't think that she could do a wrap on a broad jump without hitting it and one she would get sad because she thinks that she's wrong and two i'm afraid that her ankle will get rolled or something okay i i concur that there's some safety elements to take into consideration 100 percent. so how do we make it safer we take a couple of the broad jump planks away and yeah. we can also add a wing in, so make it more of a, a winged broad jump that they have to go around to help create mm. a little bit more lift 
and a better angle for them to jump. But them coming off of it, them coming off of it is exactly how they jump it in obedience. The handler stands at in the middle of the broad jump. So three o'clock, if it was the center of the broad jump, the dog is set in a sit stay facing the broad jump. So the dog is at they have like two strides before they have to jump it, right? Um, it's a roughly a body length and a half that they set them in front of it. Yeah, so they have a little bit of time to jump it, though. If you're sending them from a wrap or a jump stanchion that's like a foot away, they can't jump that. I, I really, I politely disagree with you on this, I think. I, because you're never going to see it ever in competition. And I know that your point was that what well, if they refuse? What if they do what a refusal? They, Let me throw you this if, scenario. What okay. if the handler gets a refusal on the broad jump? So the dog runs around it with the handler, and okay. the handler then circles them back up and puts them on a poor angle to take the broad jump again. That's exactly what we're doing. Well, yeah, but you, I, see, I'm just built different, and I just wouldn't put them on a poor angle. Well, that's true. Okay. So I, would I say back then, up. I say then work the broad jump, work the tire jump. And if you're going to do a contacts, work the contacts with extreme caution. Yeah, I think it's a bit redundant to do it on the broad jump, especially for big dogs, because like dogs like Jenks, he struggled a ton, a ton with having tight wraps and backsides and such. And so with the broad jump, and no, okay, so let but me But maybe up. if I had done this with jump, Jinx. In any other scenario, with the, tw- with the 12 o'clock jumping scenario, you're like, okay, we'll do a backside. You could even use the clock to work tight backsides, right? To get him to be super close to the jump. And so if you then say, okay, well, we're going to do it on a broad jump now. It's a little bit like, oh, well, we just worked you being really, really, really close to the jump. Well, now space yourself out now we're gonna have you jump you know i don't know how big, what they say 42 inches yeah but i'm telling you to, to make you it smaller you keep going back to full height when no, I, I know i just don't think that it's so imp- this is actually an important note that when you first start this for sure do it without a bar do it with one broad jump plank do it really really small and build upwards you don't start at the dog's full jump height doing this no struggling i mean i would probably not even start it at full height when they're not struggling is build up to their full height i i agree with doing a little bit of angle because you know you might have a you know bad run and you're you're not kind of getting that angle correct um perfectly correct but I don't think you could, you should do like a backside on it or a send from like three o'clock I think with your dog seen... next to you. I get like, you know, the obedience people, they have a little bit of space and time. I, I, I won't, I, I disagree with you on this one. Okay. And I appreciate that. I, yeah. think, I think you're seeing this as something that I would do a lot. I would not do this a lot. I would do this sparingly. I would do it on a jump, I would do it a lot more, but on yeah, odd obstacles, I would not. On the triple, I would not do it that much. On the double, double, I would do it a little bit more. Yeah, double's not as bad. Um, but I would do it, but I wouldn't drill it. Just like when I teach a dog to turn around on a dog walk plank, 
I don't drill it. I teach it once and I leave it alone, right? I want to teach it for safety and then I leave it alone. Right. That makes sense? Yeah, it does. I see what you're doing. And I think that it can be beneficial if the dog is fine with it. I just think that if they hit it, because, you know, Galligan's got those really tall planks now where if you step on it, it like flops forward. Um, there's actually a really good picture of Dot hitting it, and it's like as big as she is. Well, okay, so um, USDAA and I think maybe UKI, uh, um, they have their broad jumps are taller than uh-huh. AKCs. Oh, and that's what I was gonna say. Well, right I was got- gonna go into my next point though. Is Hold I was on. gonna say that you don't really need to practice the broad jump anyway, regardless, because it's only ever a novice. If oh, we're an AKC, I completely podcast, disagree with you there. That is the one. Okay, not in UK, but if you're an AKC person, it's only a novice, isn't it? Well, for it, it can be in the upper levels, but it's a pain in the butt is to it? build <laughs> and rebuild, and so. Uh, judges don't use it that often but if any judges are listening to us now <laughs> says they start putting them back into their courses because we're saying be don't like, well, practice the broad jump like, you'll never this see punk it kid said <laughs> emma no no they absolutely need to practice the broad jump i think it is one of the first ones that dogs mess up because they oh, see yeah it. they see it as a pause table they step on it like a bridge Right. So I think it's a brilliant one to train. I just don't know that I would hound the clock system on the broad jump. No. Okay. I wouldn't do the clock system, period. But How about this? We've already discussed this? that. <laughs> I'm going to meet you halfway. All right. Work okay. the clock system with just you moving around the clock. The dog, oh, yeah, 100%. The dog starts at 12 every time you move around the clock. Oh, yeah, 100%. I agree with that. Okay. And same thing for the tire. Yeah, and same thing for contact obstacles, too. Yes. Um, Just don't let them turn around on the teeter. You're everywhere. Yes, I agree with you there. Okay, cool. So are we done then? I think we might be. It's good. Okay. I'll put up some links of us, of me doing this with Eli Mm. on jumps and tunnels. Um, he hasn't learned the tire and he hasn't learned the broad jump. Well, he's not jumping at all. So he hasn't learned anything about jumping. Um, I have done it with uh, not the, uh, you know what? I haven't done this with the moving, the, the movement puzzles, but that's because it, that's a two target game. So I stay on the same side every time, but maybe I will. I'm going to go experiment with that today. When I get back, cause I'll be able to like throw cheese for him. Yeah, well, but you, you don't need around. to throw cheese because he comes back to you. Oh, it's like mind. a boomerang. It's like a boomerang. <laughs> <laughs> you send them and they come back to you in a different direction. Yeah, no, I was like, oh, All right. who is this kid? All right, kiddo. Um, thank you very much for playing with yeah. me. Go get him. Go get him. Go get him. Woof, woof, woof. We always talk at the exact same time. <laughs> oh, you should keep that in. <laughs> woof, woof. Bye, Emma. I love you. Good luck on your flight. I love you. I'll see you in a few few hours. I love it. Excellent. See you in the States. See you later. Alligator. Skater. (laughs) Welcome to episode.